Alright, so we'll say good morning. Good morning. Uh, the shir is dedicated this morning by Milt and Melanie Gertner in creation of the yard site today of Milt's father, Gilbert Gertner, Getzel ben Avram. We hope that in the merit of our Tamil Torah, Nisham will have an Aliyah, the family in Nechama. And also by Rabbi and Rebetzin Miller, the Schuss of Rafua Shlema for Yitzchak Avram ben Miriam, Chaim Yaakov David ben Abigail, and Yitzchak Isaac ben Rus. We hope that in the merit of our Tamil Torah, these cholim together at Kol Choli so have an ongoing refuah. Amen. So also let's begin. A lot, a lot to do today. <laughs> yes, a lot to do. But hopefully you did your homework, so it's a little bit less. So okay, so we're picking up nine. La- I'm not taking a poll over here. <laughs> Whenever I ask that, everybody starts to look in the gemara immediately. Amazing. So it says we're picking up nine lines up from the bottom. Two, four, six, eight. I'm sorry, eleven lines up from the bottom. Amar Rav Sheshes. So it's an interesting sugya to begin with this. So Rav Sheshes says the following: Hakofer bepikado naasalav gazlan v'chayba onsim. So Rav Sheshes said, it's about say if somebody has a pikado. So remember again, the case of pikado is I give Ruvain, I give Ruvain a, an object to watch. And what happens? I come back to reclaim the object, and Ruben says, I don't have it. I don't have it. So Rav Sheshes says that from the moment that a per- and, and I'm sorry, one more piece. And then Aiden come along and say that Ruben does have the picado. Ruben does have it. So the halacha is that from the moment that Ruben went ahead and denied that he had the picado, he became a gazlan, he became a thief. And I'll both say the ramification of becoming a thief is he's chayef for onsin. He is chayef for any extenuating circumstances or any extenuating things that may occur to the pikadon. So opposed to it when he was a shomer, so remember again, shmira, depending on what type of shomer he is, he has capped liability, depending again, depending on the nature of shmira. Once he becomes a gazlan, he is chayev for all extenuating circumstances. Rashi says over here, na'asal of gazlan, it's the last short line in Rashi, mishas kfira, from the time that he, from the time that he denied that he had the item in his possession, vafapi shalom nishpa, the Rabbi says that the chap, according to Rav Sheshes, is he's chayiv on onsin, even though what he has not sweared falsely. So even though he has not taken a false oath, because in this case he didn't swear, he's just simply denying responsibility. From the moment that he denies it, he is he is responsible ultimately again with onsin. The Tanatun, Rabbi Brice, that supports this. The Kichesh Bas, well, so the Pasik says, he denied, he denied that he had the object, Lamanu Onesh. This teaches us the punishment. As Harabin again, you generally know that for every prohibition in the Torah, there are generally two sources. There's one source for the love, for the prohibition, and one source for the Onesh. So the Kichesh Bas teaches us that ultimately, again, from the moment that a Shomer denies that he has an object, so he is responsible. That's the Onesh. And that he's responsible ultimately for own sin. As Harabin where's the love? My love, the owner's moment. Both are we not talking about again that he is financially responsible? Lo, the owner's shvua. Ultimately, we'll say what it teaches us. Look, look at Rashi for just a moment. Love the owner. Lo, the owner's shvua. High owner's the anshe kolis chayiv onsim mishum shvua shakerhi about ilo ishtabalos. Well, says the Gemara. But one second from that pasuk. That pasuk only teaches me that from the moment that a shomer swears falsely that he has the object, when in fact, excuse me, that he doesn't have the object, when in fact he does have the object, from that moment and on, he is going to be responsible, he is going to be responsible for own sin. But it doesn't teach us anything ultimately afterwards about, or I say it doesn't teach us anything, again, about if he didn't take a shvua, to which the Gemara says, but one second, from the fact that the Sefer says that he took an oath, 
Michlal the Reisha the Loish Tampa. Yet we can infer from that that the Reisha is talking about a case. We'll say where what? Where he did not take an oath. So remember, the Gemara is trying to figure out the following. Rav Sheshis made a statement. And in Rav Sheshis' statement, Rav Sheshis is saying that if Ruvain is holding on to a Picadon, and then I come to reclaim my Picadon from Ruvain, and Ruvain says, I don't have it, from the moment that Ruvain denies that he has the object, he is high in own sin. All the Gemara is just pointing out is, from the Bryce, it sounds like the only time Ruvain becomes high in own sin is when? Is after he swears that he doesn't have it. After he swears he doesn't have it, then Lamais is going to be chayv and onsen from that point in time. So Moses is trying to reconcile this contradiction. So the Gemara says, Because remember, we learned in the Seifa, the Pasuk says, he swore falsely, so that teaches us the punishment. From where do we know the left? Don't lie. And from the fact that the Seifa is dealing with the case of where he swore falsely, Ultimately, you have to say that the is talking about a case where he did not swear falsely, to which the Gemara says, Amri No, both cases are talking about where he swore falsely. Kan Shahoda, excuse me, Kan Shahoda, Kan Shabau Eidim. So now the Gemara is suggesting over here that both cases are talking about where he swore falsely. One is a case of where he admitted his responsibility, and the Khan Shabau Aden. And one is talking about a case where witnesses came and ultimately showed that he lied. Asu Aden Chayiv Baonsin. So we'll say if witnesses come and disprove his claim and say that Lamaisa again he did have the object, he will be Chayiv in Onsin. If he admits on his own, then Lamaisa again. If he admits on his own, he'll be chayiv ultimately. If he admits on his own after he swore falsely, he'll be chayiv in the Karen, Chomesh, and Asher. Fine. So, we'll say, so what we're coming at from over here so far, just keep in mind, is Rav statement. So Rav says that if you're co-prebed, if you go ahead and you negate, you not negate, but you deny, excuse me, that you are in possession of the pikadon, and what, and then... You, uh, you, you, you deny that you are in possession of the Picadon. You become a Gazlon from the moment that you deny it, even though you have not sworn falsely, and you are Chayyif for all own sin from the moment of your denial. Hold on to that. Says the Gemara, Masir Rami Barchama. This is a very interesting case. This, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Listen to the following case. You have two people who have a dispute. And let's say, again, one of the people becomes chayiv in a shvua. But let's say the individual is chayiv to take the shvua, is chashud ala shvua. He is a person who we are concerned will lie under oath. So we'll say in a situation where we are concerned that a person is going to lie under oath, we flip the shvua. And we have the other party take the shvua, and then the other party ultimately then could then take the money that they are suing for. So the Gemara just says, Ketzad, what are examples where someone would be chashud? Meaning, what would a person have to do to be deemed, to be deemed chashud, suspect to swear falsely? Ketzad, so we'll say whether a person lied about a shua is if I go over to someone and I say uh, I know you know testimony that will that will benefit me, and the person says I don't know any testimony for you, and I make them swear, I make them take a shua that they don't know any testimony, and they lie. 
They lie. It turns out that they did no testimony. That Shua Seidus. Vechad Shua Sapikadon. Or a Shua ultimately again that a person does, has a Pikadon and he says he doesn't. Vafilu Shua Shab. Or for that matter, if a person just takes an oath in vain. If a person violated any of these oaths, this, this, make, this makes him a Chashud ala Shua and he would no longer be permitted to swear in Beis. The name is, Rav if you're correct, Pikfiruhu de Ifsalim. So I'll say, Rav if you're correct, then the truth is, as soon as someone is kofra ala pikadon, as soon as someone denies that he is in possession of a pikadon, even without a shvua, that should make him puzzle to go out and take a shvua. Because remember, what did Rav Sheshesh just say before? Rav Sheshesh said before that once you deny that you have the pikadon, then what? Then lamaisi yechayvan onsin, which means that you are considered to be a ganav ready from then. If that's the case, even denial of a pikadon without a shvua should make you should, should make you chashid ala shvua. To which the Gemara says, Amar Amri. What's the case? The case over here when he denies the pikadon is where the animal is in a swamp. So also listen to this. In other words, what the Gemara is going to suggest over here is that the only case where Rav Shesha says that if you deny the existence of the pikadon that you're considered to be a gazlon right now is when the object is with you. But if the object is not with you, you're not considered to be a gazlon. You're considered to be what? Buying time. That sometimes people make up stories in order to buy themselves a little bit more time in which to go ahead and return the object. But their intention is not to steal. Their intention is, again, just they need a little bit more time to be able to deliver the object. So the Gemara says, Delav kfiruhu. I just need a little bit more time until I can go ahead and retrieve the animal and deliver it to the owner. Because we'll say, after all, we have such a similar concept. If somebody, this is actually very interesting, this is more complicated what the Gemara is going to make it over here, but if a person goes ahead, I lend Ruben money, and then what happens, I come to Ruben for repayment, and Ruben says, I don't owe you any money. I don't owe you any money. And then the mice, again, witnesses come and testify about the fact that Ruben does owe me money. Taloch is kashal eidos. We do not consider to be Ruben. We don't consider Ruben to be a liar. He's still going to be kashal eidos. Why, Abosai? Because at the end of the day, we assume that he's denying it in order to buy himself more time in order to go out and pay me back. On the other hand, top of Kovav, the pikadon pasal eidos. Abosai, if he denies the existence ultimately of a pikadon, then he's going to be pasal eidos. Why? We'll say, what's the distinction? Because since Nitna, so ultimately alone, that money is supposed to be used. So we understand that money is not in existence. So because it's not in existence, the borrower may make up, may make up a story in order to buy himself more time for repayment. Pikadon, on the other hand, is in existence. And if he lies about it, he's lying about it only for one reason, and that is because he wants to steal it. But Ilfa said, Shvua Kona. Shvu, uh, I'm sorry, Shvua Kona. So we'll say, look at Rashi for just a moment. Shvuhi. So look at Rashi. Shvua Kona. So we'll say, but yet, Ilfa said, Shvua Kona, that in the moment that a person takes a Shvua, they're Kona. Now what does that mean? Shvuahi de Kanyo. Aval Kfira lo Kanyo. So we'll say, so what that sounds like is the following. That as soon as a person takes a false oath regarding an object, he's been Kona that object for Onsim. In other words, he now becomes responsible for the Onsim of the object that he swore about. So the Gemara infers from here, it's only after he takes a Shvua, but not simply after he denies that he has it. To which the Gemara says, Hachanami de Kanyo Ba'agam. We're talking over here again about a case where the object is in the swamp, the object is not with him. Therefore, the fact that he's denying it is just simply to give himself more time. The other possibility is, what does it mean? That after you take a false oath, you acquire responsibility over the item. Because Rafuna said, 
I go over to Ruvain and I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, you have a mana of mine in your hand. And Ruvain says, I've got nothing of yours. And Ruvain swears that he has none of my money. This is wild. And then afterwards, witnesses come and testify to the fact that I lent Ruvain money. So what's Talacha? Potter. And we'll say, Ruvain ultimately again is going to be Potter from repayment. Why is he Potter from repayment? The owner shall take and the litigant shall not, the defendant shall not pay. This is a wild halacha. Essentially the halacha says, Rav seems to say that when you are, when you have a legal dispute with someone, so you have a choice. You could either try to exact repayment or you can get shvua. But the, the issue with shvua is that once the, once the defendant swears, then what? Case closed. Case closed. And that even if witnesses come along and go ahead and then testify about the fact that Ruben does have my money, the case is closed once the shvua is taken. Now granted, it could become clear that Ruben is a lawyer and took a false oath, but Lamaise, again, what, the, what Rav seems to say is, you have one shot at the defendant. You have a choice. You could go the shvua route, or you could go the repayment route. But Lamaise, if you go the shvua route, once that shvua is taken, the case is closed. A fascinating idea. So we're going to analyze this. Gufa, Amra Funam Rav. So let's go back and analyze this a little bit. So first the name of Rav. I go to Ruben. Ruben, you have my money. Ruben says, no, I don't. The Nishpa. And Ruben swears that he does not have the money. And what happens? Ubo Edim. Ubo Edim. And Edim then come and testify that Ruben does have my money. Potter. Ruben does not have to pay back. Why? The owner shall take it and the, the defendant shall not pay. Kevan Shekiblu Bailim Shvua. Once the owners have received the shvua, shuv ein mishalmin mamon. The litigant or the defendant is no longer obligated to pay money. So, okay, so Amar Rava, Shrava said, let's qualify this. I understand Rav's statement in a case of a loan. You understand, when we, we've seen this phrase before, which means when you lend someone money, that money becomes the property of the borrower. Right? What's the proof to that? What's the proof to that? The proof to that is that the borrower need not repay the same funds that you gave them. Right? So I gave someone a stack of gold coins. I gave them $1,000 of gold coins. So they don't have to pay me back those same gold coins. They have to pay back $1,000. That's Mubalot Sadnitna. The Milva alone becomes the property of the borrower. Look at Rashi. Dolot Sadnitna. Obaya Tashlumen. Ve'ika l'meymar de b'shvua eftar l'me tashlumen ki b'chsev lo'yishan. I'm saying. So Rav says the logic is like this. So I lend Ruben money. I lend Ruben $1,000. Ruben, time to pay. Ruben says, I don't know what you're talking about. I never borrowed any money from you. I say, really? Take a shvua that you never borrowed any money from me. So Rav says the dynamic is like this. When I impose a shvua or, 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 or Bezin impose a shvua on Ruben, what I, am, what I, the lender, am agreeing to is that if Ruben does take the shvua, I drop my claim. I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that, that's the mechanics over here. If you take the shvua, meaning, because well, so there has to be like a quid pro quo, meaning if Ruben agrees to take the shvua, there has to be some reciprocity on my part. So if he's going to take the shvua, the, the understanding is you take the shvua and I agree to drop the claim. That's why Rav Rava says, or Rav Huna says, or Rav says, excuse me, that if Ruben takes the shvua, and then what happens? Witnesses come afterwards and say Ruben really did borrow money, then what? Ruben doesn't have to repay. Why? 
because I effectively have dropped the claim against Ruvain. So Rava just says, this logic only, it's a fascinating case. Rava says this logic only applies in a case of a loan. Because why? Because Now ultimately the loan becomes the property of the borrower. But when it comes to a pikadon, pikadon never leaves the rishus ultimately of its original owner. Rashi says over here, So I understand in a case of a loan where the borrower acquires the money, I understand why that once he takes a shvua, I release my claim. Pikadon, however, never leaves it, leaves the possession of the original owner. Therefore, again, technically speaking, says Rav, even if Ruvain swears that he doesn't have the Pikadon, if witnesses come later on and say he does have the Pikadon, I have the right to get it back. So the Gemara says, Bahalukim, uh, Omarav, but one second, but by God, Rav said, Afidu Pikadon. It's not true. Rav said his aloha even by Pikadon Rabo said that even if Ruben swears that he doesn't have the Pikadon and witnesses come later on and say he does have the Pikadon that Lamaisa again I once Ruben swears I drop my claim and cannot get any repayments from Ruben. After all again the Chik Sivkra because after all the Pasik that we quoted before is actually talking about Pikadon. Yasser Rav Nachman in the Kamal HaShemaita so Rav Nachman was sitting and saying over this ruling Eisi Rav Acha Bar Minyumi Rav Nachman so I'll say so Rav Ava Rav Acha Bar Minyumi Raise the kasha to Rav Nachman. Raise the kasha to Rav Nachman. So, we'll say, so remember again. Fine. Raise the kasha to Rav Nachman. Okay. So the Gemara says, Hey, Chan Pikdoni. So listen to this. I come to Ruvain. I say, Ruvain, where is my Pikadon? Where, where, right? I deposited an address with you. Where is it? Amalei Avad. He says, Oh, I'm so sorry. I got lost. Mashbi'acha ani. Okay. Swear to me that you lost it. Va'amar amen. And Ruvain says amen. Which is a form of shua. Va'idmi idin oso sha'achlo. But then witnesses come along and say that what? That we saw Ruvain consume the pikadon. So what's the halacha? Mishali mesakaren. He has to go ahead and pay back the principal. Holda me'atzmo. But we'll say if he admitted, after Ruvain swore falsely, if he admitted on his own that he swore falsely, then mishalim karen the Chomesh Ba'asham. He has to pay back the Karen, the Chomesh, and the Asham. Well, so now what's the cash over here? What do you see from here? This is even post Shvuah. Now remember, we just got finished saying that what? That post Shvuah, especially, and remember, especially with a Pikadon, especially with a Pikadon, case closed. Right, that if you go ahead, I deposit a picadon with Ruvain. Ruvain gave back my picadon. Ruvain says, I don't have it. Ruvain swears that he doesn't have the picadon. Then what? Then the Maisa again. We're done yet. We see over here that halacha the Maisa again. He has to pay back even post Shvua. What's the case? Oh, so what's the Gemara is going to suggest the following. When does a Shvua close the case? Only when the Shvua is administered in Beisdin. But in this case over here, the shvua was administered outside of basin. Amrle, is that true? Amrle ihachi ema seifa heichan pikdoni. But look at the seifa of that brisa. I say to Ruben, Ruben, where is my pikdon? Amrlo, Amrlo nignav. So Ruben says to me, it was stolen. Mashpiacha ani. I say to Ruben, okay, I make you take an oath. Va'amr amen. And Ruben says amen. Va'idim idim also sheganvo. And the idim come along and say that no, he stole it. Mashalim tashlumi kefal. He has to pay kefal. Hold me atzmo if he admitted on his own. Mashalim tashlumi karen v'chomish va'asham. Vi sakadai tochutz the beizdin. Rabbi says, if you want to say this is all taking place inside the beizdin. 
Mi'ika kefel. Rabbi say kefel is a, is a Beisdin administered punishment. If this whole case is taking place outside of Beisdin, then how is there any, any kind of kefel? So Rabbi listen to this. This is very interesting. I could give you an answer, very simple answer. Reisha chutz lebeizdin. I'm safe from beizdin. The reisha is talking about a case where the where the case was adjudicated in beizdin, and the safe is talking about a case where it was adjudicated outside of beizdin. Mihu shinuya dicheika lo mishaninu lacha. But I don't want to give you forced answers. Well, say it's an incredible musar over here. That sometimes again we feel compelled to give an answer, and therefore again we give answers that are a bit shver. So here the gemara is saying, you know what? I can give you a shver answer, but I'd rather not. Instead, what I'm going to tell you is the following: edv edv beizdin. Both the Reish and the Sefer are taking place in Beisdin. Below Kashan, I will say there is no contradiction. Kan bekafatz, kan bishalo kafatz. So I will say the case of kafatz is where, is where the, um, is where the plaintiff, is where the plaintiff goes ahead and administers the Shavua to the defendant on his own. So here Rashi brings down, V'lochim tarak l'shalim apapish and nishbah, so in a case where ultimately, again, the plaintiff went ahead and adjured the defendant outside of Beisdin, even though he took a shvua, because that was a shvua outside of Beisdin, if he's subsequently found to be guilty, he will have to pay. However, if the shvua was administered in Beisdin, then indeed the halacha is like Rav, who says what Rav Osai, that once a shvua is administered in Beisdin, then what? Case is closed. So that's the distinction that the Gemara is now making. Um, so Rav Osai said, again, just to follow this. So we have Rav, just to follow the progression. So we have Rav who says, we have Rav who says, that if a person ultimately again denies a claim, takes a shvua supporting his denial, that even if Adam come along afterwards and say that he lied, Lemaisa, again, he is not, he's not financially liable. Why? Why? Because Lemaisa, again, case is closed once the shvua is done. We have a machlokes. Everyone will agree this applies in a case of Hava. Does it apply in a case of Pikadon? It seems to be it will apply in a case of Pikadon as well. Now, a further distinction the Gemara is making, but when does Shvua create a case-closed reality? Or when does the Shvua close the case? That's only when? With a Shvua administered in Beisdin. But a Shvua administered outside of Beisdin will not go ahead and close the case. I don't understand. You don't hold like Rav. You don't hold like Rav. Why are you exerting yourself? Why are you being Moser Nefesh to support Rav's position? Rav Nachman is trying to go ahead and prove Rav's position, yet we know Rav Nachman does not hold of Rav. So why all the Mesiras Nefesh for a sheet that you don't hold, like Amalei, Amalei, Leperushe de Rav. Because Rav Nachman said, I still have to explain Rav's Shita. The Rav Hochi, Metarech Sleva Masnisim. Because this is how Rav understands the Mishnah. Rav Hochi, an incredible Musar, said Rav Nachman is essentially saying, look, just because I don't agree with it doesn't mean that Rav may not be correct. I don't think Rav is correct. But Lamais, again, we owe it. So we'll say, this is what happens when a person is Mavakish. Everybody, everybody wants MS. 
just most of us are only concerned with our version of MS, right? I know what the MS is. So I'm going to tell you what the MS is. That's going to perpetuate. But there are some people that are truly mevakshe MS and understand that this is the way I hold, but it may not be the final say. And therefore, the Maish Segen of Nachman says, at the end of the day, there is a position of Rav, and so I have to try to figure out what is the MS of Rav's Shito. Vaha Rav, Kra Kamar, but I don't understand, but Rav really bases his entire Shito on a Pasek. Amri Kra, but say that pasuk that I've quoted before really teaches me that what that any time that a shvua is taken, so ultimately again there is no payment. So we'll say in other words that shvua frees one from payment. So we'll say so. What does this teach? It says that the owner will take it, and therefore again the defendant will not pay. It also teaches us that the one who has to pay, technically, is the one who also takes the Shavua. So it teaches us that the defendant, the one who would have to pay, would also be the one who would have to take the Shavua. We'll say it's an interesting case. I go to Reuven and I make Reuven swear about the same thing. The same thing. Five different times. The same claim five times. And Abba said, he lies five times. What's the halacha? He's going to be chayiv for each and every false oath. V'amir Shimon, matam, what's the reason why he's chayiv on each and every one? Ho'il v'yachalach sur l'hodos. Because Abba said, in between each one, he has the ability to go ahead and admit his liability. Ay, v'ha'hacha kafat, lo matzis amrit yishbi'a alav katani. So Abba said, listen to this. So, but here, here, right, Lamaisa again. So you can't say that this is a case of kafats, right? This can't be a case of where the plaintiff adjured the, adjured the defendant, because after all it says, Hishbiya alav, an oath was placed upon him, which sounds like Bezin is doing this. Chutz the Bezin lomatis amrit. You can't set this up as a case of outside of Bezin. Why? It's because it says, Bifne Bezin katani, because that's happening in front of Bezin. So let's say, so what's the case? Who most of love whom So he raised the question, he also answered it. So let's study. Let's study in katani. We'll say you have to understand this case in pieces or in parts. Hishbiya alav, if he went ahead and he, he placed an oath upon him, chutz lebezdin. That's talking about a case of an oath that was imposed ultimately upon the defendant by the plaintiff outside of Bezdin. Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's talking about a case where Bezdin imposed an oath upon him, but it was outside of Bezdin. Uber Bezdin, in the case of in Bezdin, ultimately was talking about Kafats. But I will say the bottom line in both of those cases is that even after a Shavuos, so remember now we have another distinction that is, it sounds like if the shvur was imposed in Bezdin, but ultimately, again, the plaintiff, the plaintiff adjured him, or it was outside of Bezdin, even if it was done by Bezdin, Lamaise, again, there could still be liability to pay even post shvur. Massive, Rav, 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 if the Balabais, meaning if the person watching the Pikadon, Ruben's watching my Pikadon, and he claims that the Pikadon was stolen, the Nishpa, and he swears that the Pikadon was stolen, the Hoda, and then he admits that the Pikadon was not stolen, he consumed it, Uba Edim, so we'll say, now after Ruben admits that he lied under oath, and he has the Pikadon, what happens? Then Edim show up. Edim show up. Im Ad Shalom, Im Ad Shalom, 
Bo Edim Hoda. So I'll say, if Reuven admitted before the witnesses came along, so Mishanim Karen Vachomish Vashem. Then he pays Karen Chomish and Asham. Vim Mishabo Edim Hoda. But if he admitted his liability only after the witnesses came, then Mishalim Tashlume Kefel Vashem. Then I will say, ultimately, again, he pays Kefel and he brings a carbon Asham. Vahacha Chutz the Bezin Vikafat. So I was listening to this. Now, in this case, Chutz the Bezin Vikafat Lomatis Amrit. So I'll say, in this case, over here, you can't set this up as a case of where the Shavuah is taking place outside of Beisdin. Nor can you set it up as a case of Kafatz, where the plaintiff goes ahead and adjures the defendant. Yet, Kefal Katani. Yet, it says that Shechayv in Kefal. And Abbas, normally we say that Kefal only occurs, right? Why? mean, Kefal we establish only occurs in Beisdin. So therefore, because he's Chayv to pay Kefal, you can't set it up as a case of Kafatz. You can't set it up as a case of Chutzla Beisdin. And I will say, what do you see? That a person is going to be responsible for payment after Shvua. That's what we're looking at over here. So now we're talking about a Shvua that has to be administered in Beisdin, yet a person is going ahead and still paying. That's a contradiction, because we just said before that's what? Once a Shvua is administered in Beisdin, then what? Then what? Case closed, no further payment. To which the Gemara says, Allah Amarava, so also any time that the person admits liability, whether he t- whether his taina is that it was lost, whether his taina was that it was stolen, so the Gemara says lo amar rav. In that case, Rabbi say again, rav rav does not say in that case that if you swore you are potter from liability. In other words, Rabbi say any case. Where the, where the defendant admits his liability, he will be obligated to pay even post Because I will say the Pasik says he will admit his liability under those cases. Again, he will be chayiv to go ahead and pay Karen and Chomish. So we'll say similarly, in a case where the where Ruvain claims that the object was stolen, then witnesses came and testified to the fact that he lied. Rav also does not hold his position in that case. Why? Because the because again remember in that because the because the Bryson tells you that he has to pay Kefel. So when does Rav say his case? So we'll say in a case where let's say Ruvain claims that the object was stolen and he swore, and he did not admit his liability, and then witnesses came, that's when Rav would say, what? Once Ishvah has been administered, and Bezin case is closed, and no further payment. So, say, so now we have another distinction, that even Rav who says, that once, once a person has sworn in Bezin, case is closed, that's only true of what? Now even if witnesses come, the case is still closed. But there's another exception. What's the other exception? If the defendant admits liability. If the defendant admits liability, the he will be obligated to pay even post shvua. Also, Rav Gamda v'Amr l'Shmaita k'mid Rav Ashi. So Rav Gamda came along and said, "Rav, this willing to say Rav Ashi." Amr l'Hashda u'Marav Hamnuna t'Amidit Rav v'Yada d'Amr Rav Hoda v'Kamosif Hoda. So we'll say Rav Hamnuna, who was the Talmud of Rav, and he knew. That Rav said that in a case where the defendant admits liability, will be chayiv imposed shavua, and yet again the kamosif holder he brings up the case, the kasha, the case of where the individual admitted liability. Va'at amrit holda lo amarav, and yet you're saying that in a case ultimately again of where the defendant admitted his liability, that Rav will not hold his position. This is Rav Huna's problem. We'll say I'm a base. I amrit bishlam anishba. He also ate in the Chayiv. Amatu lahachim mechayiv alei karben ashua basraisa 
So Hamunah's problem was the following. In a case, ultimately, where I made Ruvain swear five times about the same liability, when witnesses come, I understand why he'll be chayi v'karban on the last Shavuah. Why? Because he technically could have admitted his liability. But if you hold that even when witnesses come, it's not going to be pater. Is there such a case where ultimately, again, if witnesses were to come along, he would be pater. And we're going to go ahead and make him for the false oath. Because he has the ability to admit his liability. He has not yet admitted his liability. Fine, so we'll say that was the kasha that Rav Hamnuna ultimately had on Rav. So we'll say, where we end off on this sugya, so just again, just to bring a, a, little, a little bit of closure to this, so where we, where we end off, where we end off on this sugya is the following, that, that again, we, we, we actually, the Ramam adopts the position of Rav, that Enochinami, once a person, once a person, if I, once a person takes an oath, that ultimately, again, the case is close. So if I go to Ruvain, and I say to Ruvain, ultimately, Ruvain, give me back my Picadur, give me back my Halva, and Ruvain says, I don't have it, I don't have it, and I say, swear to me, and Ruvain swears, once an oath has been administered, the case is closed. Which means, even if witnesses come along and say, we know that Reuben has the Picadon, Reuben has the Alva, nevertheless the case is closed. What's the, what's the logic of that? Well, so the logic of it is that, again, remember, if somebody is going to take a Shvua, Shvua comes in return for what? In return for a release from liability. So if Reuben is going to take the Shvua, the quid pro quo is, I release him from liability. And that release of liability is absolute. Now, I will say, obviously, if it turns out that Ruvain is a liar and he does have my money, so then obviously, even though in even though in in in, in Beisden, I can't assume for any more money, but certainly again, there is a mitzvah klape shmaya. There's certainly again what we'll call a spiritual mandate to return anything that does not belong to you. Again, I guess that goes back to our previous sugi of takanas hashavim. But lamaisa again, we pass like this distinction of Rav. So so far, we have two important we have two important pieces of halacha today. We have Rav Sheshes who teaches me that once I deny that I have an item in my possession, I become a gazlon, and I'm chayav on onsin, we have, the possession, we have the position of Rav, that once the defendant, once the shomer takes a shvua, he, a case is closed and he is freed from future liability. Says the Gemara, Am Rav Chiyabar Abba, Am Rav Yochanan, if somebody claims a tiny scan of him, it becomes. So again, I gave Ruben my object to watch. He claims that it was stolen. He pays Kefal. Right? He pays Kefal. Going down as God, because the said, this is not a case of Shavuot. He pays Kefal. So if he went ahead and he slaughtered it and sold it, he pays like we've learned earlier. So the Gemara says, why? So we'll say, because what do we have over here? Just like a Ganav pays Kefal, a regular thief pays Kefal, so too someone who goes ahead and claims that the object was stolen essentially has the same status as a Ganav and therefore pays Kefal. So too, So to Tava Humachem Shem Tashlumi Arba Vechamisha. So to just like if somebody were to st- were to slaughter and sell, would have to pay four and five times penalty payment. Aftoing Tainas Gana Pepikadom Kishum Shem Tashlumi Kefal Tava Humachar Tashlumi Arba Vechamisha. So what's this? So to again, so to when somebody claims a Tainas Gana. 
that he has to pay Shlomich Kefel. So too, again, if he claims Tavach Machar or if he's Tavach Machar, he has to pay Abra V'chamish. So the Gemara essentially says that somebody who is towing Tainas Ganov is pretty much treated like the Ganov himself. That just like, again, the Ganov himself has to pay Kefel, so too, towing Tainas Ganov has to pay Kefel. Somebody claims the object was stolen. And just like, again, if the Ganov slaughtered it and sold it, he has to pay four and five times, so too, again, if the person who went ahead and was towing Tainas Ganov sold it or slaughtered or, excuse me, slaughtered it or sold it, would also have to pay four and five times. To which the Gemara says, Here's a distinction. A Ganav himself has to pay Kefal, even if what? Even if he never swore falsely. Tomar betoin tainas Ganav, so we'll say, but remember again, if somebody claims, remember I gave the object to Ruvain. Ruvain is claiming the object was stolen. Ruvain only becomes Chayv and Kefal when? When? Only after he swears falsely about the object. To which the Gemara says, Amri, Hekeshi. At the end of the day, I both say, this is a Hekish. These two cases of Ganov and Towing Tanas Ganov are a Hekish. Hekish means Rashi points out that they are juxtaposed in the Torah. Ve'in Meshivin al Hekesha. And ultimately, again, you can't ask Kashus on a Hekish. Because remember, a Hekish ultimately is one of the exegetical principles. So we'll say, once you're dealing with exegetical principles, then the mice, again, even if you have a logical argument, the logical argument does not hold water against the Hekish. So this makes sense if you hold what? This, so we'll say, so far remember, we have Rabbi Yochanan's statement that Toin Tanis Ganav in a Pikadon pays Kefel. And if the Toin Tanis Ganav, remember, says, that's Ruvain. Ruvain says he no longer, he doesn't have my object. It turns out that he stole it. He has to pay Kefel. And if Reuven went ahead and slaughtered it and sold it, he has to pay Arba V'chamisha. And the way we are arriving at that conclusion is because there is a Hekish that ultimately, again, the section of Toin Tanas Ganav is juxtaposed to the section of the Ganav himself. That teaches me that all the laws that apply to the Ganav ultimately apply to the Toin Tanas Ganav as well. Even though the Toin Tanas Ganav case is a bit different, because he only becomes liable after a Shavua. So the Gemara says, So we'll say that makes sense, that one says, one of the Pesukim is dealing with a Ganov, and one of the Pesukim is talking about a Tanis Ganov, was the first wide line, according to the opinion, who says, that both Pesukim of, in Yimatsi HaGanov, are both talking not about a Ganov himself, but rather someone who is towing Tanas Ganov. What is there to say? Omri, Ganov, HaGanov. So we'll say, because the fact that the Torah could have said Ganov, but instead says HaGanov, teaches me both cases, that both the Halachos of, both the Halachos of Ganov, as well as towing Tanas Ganov, will both ultimately be the same. So remember, all we're just trying to do over here is to say that the laws of someone who claims an object was stolen. In other words, once you claim the object has been stolen, then what? Then what? And you swear to that effect, you essentially become what? You become the Ganav yourself. And therefore, all the laws of Ganav apply to you. So the laws of Kefa will apply to you. And if you subsequently slaughter and steal it, the laws of Arba Vechamish will apply to you as well. That's all we're doing. Listen to this. 
It was the kasha. So Heichan Shei, come to Ruvain. Ruvain, where is my axe that I gave you? Nignav. Ruvain says it was stolen. Mashbi Achani. So I say, Ruvain, take a shvua that you don't have the axe. Va Amr Amen. Ruvain says, Amen. Right? I take a shvua. I don't have your axe. Va Idim Idim. Also Sha'achlo. And the witnesses come along and say that what we saw. Ruvain had a big barbecue and he ate your axe. So what's that? Ruvain has to pay kefal. I ask the Gemara. If the witnesses claim that Ruvain ate the axe, by definition, what does that mean? He also did. He shechted it. So you can't have a case. There's no such thing as the ability to eat a kezais meat without shit. Which means, Rebosai, that's what? That Ruvain not only stole the animal, but he also what? He also slaughtered it. So what should be the halacha? What should be the halacha? He should be chayiv in arba v'chamisha. Yet the Bryce doesn't say that. The Bryce just says that it's only Chayv and Kefal. What about Arba Vechamisha? Vekatanim Shalom Teshlomi Kefal. Teshlomi Kefal. And Teshlomi Dalav Rehelo. Yet the Bryce only says that it's Chayv and Kefal. Doesn't say that it's Chayv Dalav. Hey, that contradicts what we just said before. But remember, what did Rabbi Yochanan say? Rabbi Yochanan said that if you claim that an object that was entrusted with you was stolen, when in fact it turns out that's what? You stole it. You become like the Ganov. Which means, which should then mean in this case, that's what? If you ate it, means you shechted it. If you shechted it, you shouldn't only be chayiv, chayiv, kefal. What should you be chayiv in? Arba vechamisha dalatei, yet the b'risa doesn't say that. It's contradiction. Rabbi Yochanan, to which the Gemara is asking, what's the case? Kigon she'achla nevela. Oh, okay, I will say. So it could be that the case over here is where Ruben the Ganov also didn't shech the animal. He didn't shech it. Right, he ate it as an avela. Now, now the, the animal died. The animal died on its own, and then Ruben ate it. But Vishni Lekagon Shachu Trefa. Or we could give a different answer where what? The animal is a trefa. As I will say, that's what? He, shech, he did shech the animal, but it turns out the animal was a trefa. And I will say, we normally, remember, we learned before that you are not Chayev Dalit Vehe. You're only Chayev Dalit Vehe if it was a proper Shechita. If the Shechita did not ultimately permit the animal, like in a case where the animal was a trefa, you're not Chayev, which the Gemara says, no, 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 Krabmeyer, from Shechita Shainruyish Moshechita. This Gemara is a fact in the view of Rabmeyer, and Rabmeyer holds that even a Shechita that does not render the animal fit is still called the Shechita. So even if the animal was a trefa, you should still be Chayev Dalit Vehe. But in Pakua, so I'll say, oh, why don't you say it's a case of a Ben Pekor? We'll get to this in Hulin, but very quickly. If you shecht a pregnant animal, and it turns out that you open up the animal, and the little baby calf goes jumping out of the animal, the halach is you can eat that calf without shechita. Because the uber, the child in utero, is nitter, is permitted with the shechita of the mother. So why don't you say, maybe this is a case of a Ben Pakua, where what's about say, Ruvain the thief, could have eaten a kiz- could have eaten the meat without what? Without proper shechita. Because because this is from Gemara Flex to be a Rameir. Rameir holds that even a Ben Pakur requires Shechita. So we'll say, so why don't you go ahead and set up this case? It's talking about Shamad Bedin, Va'amrulo, Tsei Tain Lo. Say it's a case ultimately going to both say where I brought Ruben to Bezdin, and the Bezdin said to Ruben, Ruben, go pay back silver. You owe him money. So what's the Allah Chabot say? Daha Amarava, Tsei Tain Lo. If Bezdin ordered, ordered the defendant to pay, Tavachuma. Potter, so I'll say, interestingly enough, once Bezdin has ordered Ruvain to pay, to a certain degree, the case is closed. The case is closed. Judgment has been rendered. And if Ruvain were to subsequently go ahead and then shecht and slaughter and sell my animal, he would be potter from Abra Vechamisha. My time, what's the reason? Because I'll say, remember again, once Bezdin has ordered him to pay, the case is closed. 
And once the case is Kozabasayt, he then goes ahead and slaughters and sells the animal. He's no longer a Ganav. What is he called? He's called the Gazlon. Kozabasayt, what's Talach? Remember, Arba the Chamisha is only a din in a Ganav. Someone who, stel- who steals secretly. But someone who steals in a brazen public fashion is called the Gazlon. Talavay doesn't apply to that person. If Reuben were to go ahead and what? Slaughter and sell the animal after based and told him, you have to pay. He's no longer a Ganav. He's a Gazlon. The Gazlon Mishayim Tashlami Arba the Chamisha. So the Gemara says, however, Chayi but if Bezin just said, look, you're going to have to go ahead and pay him, but Bezin didn't render their final ruling, then and Ruben then went ahead and slaughtered all the animal. Chayiv. Ruben will be Chayiv out of the Chamisha. My time, because as long as Bezin has not yet rendered their final verdict, he is still a Ganav. So the Gemara says, so therefore, again, I will say you could go ahead and set it up as a case. Ultimately, again, as you can set it up like this. You could alternatively also set it up as a case of a shutov who went ahead and owned an animal jointly and slaughtered the animal without the consent of his friend. Which Abosai we established not chayif arba v'chamisha elo chada mitre utlas nakit. Rather, Abosai says the Gemara. The truth is there are a couple of different ways you could set up this case. The Gemara just happened to choose one of these approaches. So we'll stop over here for today. But just understand that we are ending a lot. A lot. I know. I know. A lot. I know. I know. I threw a lot of you. But we'll say. Again, just remember three points. If you remember three points today, then this has been a successful daf. So the Gemara said, first of all, again, just remember this, Rabbi Yochanan's last statement that if I entrust something with Ruvain, I entrust the Pikadon. Once Ruvain denies that he has the Pikadon, ultimately what? He becomes the Ganav. And he becomes the Ganav ultimately again in every way, which means that he's Chayv in Kefal, and if he goes ahead and slaughters it and sells it, then what? He's Chayv Arba the Chamisha. That's Rabbi Yochanan. We'll discuss Rabbi Yochanan more tomorrow. That's point number one. Point number two, Rabbi Yochanan, was the statement of Rav. Rav said, I entrusted money with Ruvain. Ruvain denies the money. He swears that he does not have the money. Once he swears, what's the halacha? Case closed. We're done. I release my claim. And point number three was Rav Sheshes. Rav Sheshes says that once you deny that you have, if I entrust Ruvain with an object, a pikadon, and Ruvain denies that he has the pikadon, once there is denial, even before Shavua, Ruben becomes a Gazlan, and once he becomes a Gazlan, he is chayiv in all own sin that happened to the object. We'll say those three points are the ikarim of today's daf. If you have that, then you can honestly say, you've been kona daf kuf vav in Mesechah's Baba Kama. Shkoyach. Three points. <laughs>